Hey everyone, welcome back to Vampire Weekday. Once again, I'm joined by my co-host Kevin as we take on Hold You Now, the first song off of Vampire's Weekend's fourth LP, Father of the Bride. And we even get a nice little name of the album in there um, with uh, when she says, watch your mouth when talking about the father of the bride. You, you Leo, always got to have it somewhere in there. Yeah, the Leo, Leo pointing, pointing meme, not J- JPEG. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what, what, what struck me most when listening to this song intentionally, what I mean intentionally is it's so weird to revisit these songs with like the purpose of, I'm going to have to talk about this for half an hour, right? And what struck me most about listening to this song is, and you can speak more to this. You actually, I'm going to ask you to speak to it because you were the one that waited six years for an album. Mm-hmm. But we obviously had a number of singles come off this, this record before we got the full album. So we didn't hear this song before the album was released in full. But the first song on this album, Hold You Now, we have finger-picking acoustic guitar. We have a female lead vocalist. We have steel guitar in the background. We have a choir, a children's choir. And we have a narrative lyrical style. All of those are very significant departures from what we'd seen previously in Vampire Weekend. And I would feel, as someone who had gone years without hearing new music from the band all of a sudden have that that would be a bit of a shock and I, yeah. I love this song but it's just very it's very very different than what they've done previously yeah i think you hit the nail on the head it's it was a shock to the system when you first hear it although i think harmony hall being the first single definitely softened that blow because harmony hall definitely has a lot of common uh sounds to it okay. as the mm-hmm. song but um that being said, I think everyone in the fan base definitely expected a departure from the previous sound. Okay. Because Vampire Weekend evolved throughout the first three albums, maybe not to the extent of the fourth album. So we figured, oh, there's six years. It's going to change. It's going to change a lot. Also, uh, they did a good amount of live shows uh, prior to the album, and there was mumbling about how uh, there were a lot more jammy and stuff like that mm-hmm. so it was already in the process and kind of revealed but that being said it's still pretty startling to start with this I, I definitely remember hearing it and being like is this a Casey Musgraves album because it, it kind of has that feel to it it's totally a country song it's it's yeah. absolutely a country song and that was absolutely the inspiration I believe Ezra's admitted to it as much um, yeah he went to a Casey Musgraves concert and was like huh songwriting can be simple yeah and that's the thing i think we'll, we'll get into the lyrics here but this is a story this is a narrative this is two characters having a conversation about a story which is far more cut and dry than most songs we've talked about so far what they're exactly talking about we can get into that mm-hmm. but literally two people having a conversation we've never had that in the vampire weekend song before yeah and this song's officially the arrival of Daniel Heim as the sonic partner to Ezra. Great, yeah, great addition um, to the band. Yeah, I know. I know Ezra mentioned in an interview that he referred to the duets as tent poles, and and by duets we mean specifically the ones where Dan- Danielle gets front billing. Those songs being um, "Hold You Now." Um, Mary Nagold Brush, which we have yet to discuss, 
and we belong together. And by tent poles, I take that to mean, because they are pretty evenly spaced in the album, but also thematically we have this song, which, you know, we'll get into what the themes are, but there's kind of, there's tension in a relationship. Mary in a gold rush. Again, we haven't really gotten into, but my stab at the general thing is, well, we got together when things were good. Now what are we doing? And then we know what we belong together is about. It's about this, like, we got all this stuff different, but holy cow, I really, really love you. And those are different themes on their own. And it shows that we're exploring our relationship at, uh, at its ups and at its downs. And that is explored even in this song as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's a good analysis of <clears throat> how the three songs connect to each other. Um, there's definitely a common uh, string through them. Um, but yeah, if, if we dive into the song, uh, verse one, I know, I know the reason why you think you got to leave. So it starts with Ezra talking. Uh, Promises of future glory don't make a case for me. I did my best and all the rest is hidden by the clouds. I can't carry you forever, but I can hold you now. So initially, you definitely, your, your mind jumps straight to romantic, um, which I, I think after reading their song, I, I think it is romantically inclined. Um, there is some talk of maybe Ezra is the father in this case, but there's a couple of lyrics pointing to otherwise. Um, yeah so I, I would i would disagree but yeah yeah i think i think i think if you look at the potential of ezra being the father of the bride i don't think that's carried or covered in other songs in this album okay. but in the context of this song specifically i think the line of i can't carry you forever and to be fair that's a line that's said by danielle later on but Ezra saying it too makes it sense like oh like he he's feeling some sort of responsibility here for this relationship in this case potentially a father-daughter relationship yeah um and then if you if you read that through that lens you think promise to future glory don't make a case for me it's like oh you're getting married to somebody is that good enough for me um i did my best you know i wanted to raise you and eventually you know like if you want the best for your daughter you're gonna let them marry and be their own life that's the read of it um of ezra being the father and i think it is most supported by Ezra's lines. When we get to Danielle's, I think they're less supported there. Um, but then, of course, the other read of it is that these two are in a relationship with each other. Currently? I read so, it as they were former lovers. Or were, yeah, excuse me, excuse me, yes. So that's a fascinating read of it, is this guy here is trying to take a final stand at, like, like, like a speak now kind of thing. Like, don't get married, come back to me. And Danielle's retort is essentially like, it's too late, you know? And the, I can't carry you forever, but I can hold you now is kind of a compromise of like, okay, we're here together now. Let's at least talk about it. Yeah. Which is sad and beautiful and all this stuff. Kevin, have you seen The Graduate? You know, I haven't. It's criminal that I haven't seen The Graduate because that's like, a major piece of American cinema, but I've not seen a graduate. I don't know. I've why. listened to Mrs. Robinson a million times, but I, I think it, it's sonically connected to Mrs. Robinson. So I think that's why I connect this song with Mrs. 
with uh, the graduate. And you know what's funny? But it's also they run off on her wedding day. So they that's leave. that's I knew that part of the the movie. What's funny is this is the closest thing we have thematically to like a midlife crisis vampire weekend song, and it's also the least sounding like Graceland that we have of any of the vampire weekend songs. And of course, Graceland is the Paul Simon album about a midlife crisis. I just yeah. thought that was fun. And then you mentioned that it sounds like Mrs. Robinson. It's all one song. <laughs> <laughs> Ezra is, so do you think Ezra on this album goes through a quarter life crisis? I mean, quarter life, that's incredibly optimistic. He's what, like 36? That's oh, really? like, that's, yeah, that's, that's really optimistic for, for life's human life. Science, science is advancing at a, no, we're getting better, rate. but I mean like, average american oh, yeah. he's, male he's 37 yeah average male american lifespan is what 70 mid 70s yeah it's optimistic uh, yeah yeah but he's rich so out out a few years true it's true it's statistically <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna make it all the way um yeah so i think the most cohesive read of this is our male character here is coming to this 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 bride the day of her wedding saying don't marry this other person marry come come back with me really and we're kind of seeing in this first stanza here the man make his case like i get it i get why you're here i don't think it's a good enough excuse um i think i've done everything i can um You'd like to think that maybe he could have done more back in the day, but you know that's that's maybe outside the the reach of this song. Yeah, it is interesting. Ezra never states um, that she shouldn't go ahead on the wedding day. He says, "I, I know the reason why you think you got to go get married." That's a um, good point. I did my best, um, but I can't carry you forever, so I can't fulfill this. But I can hold you now. Um, and it's Danielle who makes it clear that he is trying to convince her to stay. Because I know the reason why you think I ought to stay. Funny but how you're telling me on my wedding day. That could still play into the narrative that Ezra is the father of the bride. Mm. That, that's actually making me, because you're right, that he never explicitly says stay, you know, yeah, because if you read it with that narrative, it fits. But then if if you you're right, because you realize he never actually asked to stay. He's just kind of stating things. He's like, well, I, I I did this, I did I did my best when I had you, and I understand why you're making the case that you have to leave. But you're right, he's never actually saying that she has to leave. That's cool. That's interesting. Yeah. So I I think oh, the main reason people thought of the Ezra being the father in this case. Um, is that line by Danielle saying, uh, you just watch your mouth when talking about the father of the bride? Because there's no other context for it. So you could say maybe the father of the bride was what kept them from being together. But it, it might be a snarky retort at saying like, hey don't talk down on yourself like watch your mouth when talking about yourself. Yeah, so that's 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 the one read of it. Um... Yeah, or or it could you but it, it could play to both really, you know. Like if you take that line out of the song, 
I don't know if we have any more or less closure, you know, but it's an interesting line. Cause you're like, you're because on one school thought is why would Danielle say to her own father, like talk about him in the third person, you know, but you kind of made like, it could be like a snarky comment there and it could just be, yeah, like, like a literary device really. Um, yeah. Anyway, you, I was going to say, you want to keep back, go get into the lyrics or do you want to say something? Yeah. So verse, verse two um, is what people usually use to discredit the father theory because it says leaving on your wedding day, all calm and dressed in white. But then this line, all all keeps the memory of one last crooked night. So what what did you think of that? That, you're right, really plays into the theme of the two of them were together at one point. And, like, he's just replaying the memory of, like, the last time they were together. Or, like, he ended things or she ended things. Or maybe he should have said something and he didn't. And, like, we all know what it feels like to regret not saying something. It's, like, the worst feeling in the world, you know? And to think about this song potentially being motivated by that feeling is incredibly powerful. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to subscribe to the father theory like every line except for this one can be explained away but i i think this line is just too too much solid evidence that it was a former yeah, relationship that's hard that's hard to not look past and that the person is coming on the wedding day to try to convince her to stay to leave leave with him like the graduate mm-hmm. <laughs> spoiler alert from 40 years ago 50 years yeah. ago 1968 i think it was 1968 how do you know that if you have never seen it because i'm i don't it's 1967 damn should have known that i don't understand how you i don't i have i have no idea how i would have known that year i'm I'm great i'm great with that about music about like songs like what year songs came out but movies less so yeah 54 years ago like for example, this song came out in 2019. True. <laughs> that that one's a little easier. That but. was that was the joke. Um, <laughs> that was the joke. Um, so we have those next few like just kind of descriptors. The pews are getting filled up. The organ's playing loud. I can't carry you forever, but I can hold you now. So Ezra again repeats the line. Then we have the Hans Zimmer part. No, no, this you're is skipping an important part. Oh shoot! You're right. You're right. <laughs> Please forgive me. Forgive yes. Me. So Ezra says, kind of muted with the instrumentals kind of crashing off. He goes, all right. Like really mumbled. Like yeah. you can barely tell what he's saying. Yeah. And it's repeated at the end um, also. But apparently we'll, we'll, we'll dive in once we get to the end. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So but it is important that it comes up twice in the song. No, you're right. I, 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 how can I forget? It's actually not from where I copied the lyrics. It wasn't actually included as a lyric because I didn't copy from Genius and mm. I missed it. That's that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. It's there. I mean, there's never been anything like it in other vampire weekend songs. It's like it's a, little a, it's a trend on Father of the Bride. The yeah, evident sympathy with the beginning with Steve Lacey saying. Uh, I take things. What, what's he say? I take things too seriously. So no, I think I take serious. myself too seriously. It's not serious. And then we have the uh, to an extent, yeah. On what song? Shoot. Why can't I remember that? That's you know what I'm talking about, right? Yes. 
um, Bambino. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's at the end of Bambino. We did Bambino, right? That was like one of yes, our first songs. That was like the third song. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that was like a year ago now. <laughs> We're so old. <laughs> um. Anywho, we have this beautiful chorus part that was sampled from a Hans Zimmer soundtrack of a movie that I've never seen. The um, Thin Red Line. Have you seen this? No, but it's directed by a fantastic director, Terrence Malick. He makes beautiful, beautiful films. I'm not familiar with his work. Yeah, he made um, a film, I think it's called A Hidden Life, but it's based on uh, Blessed Franz Jagerstider, who... Um, refused to assist the nazi army in any way he lived in austria and he was killed because of it but wow. a, lot of, a lot of people were um, saying like you're leaving your daughters behind for this moral issue um when they're like offering you to they they offered for him to um i think work in the medic um or work as a medic or something like that so where he wouldn't see combat but he was like, no, I can't support this ca- cause whatsoever. Wow. And he decided that he would be a worse, um, how could he be a good father to his children if he chose the wrong uh, moral action here? So, That's just so crazy. Because like, you'd think that like it would even be like, even even potentially be like ethically or morally permissible like go along with it if you have like family at stake but like yeah so that that's was, absurd that was what the um church's stance was at the time um but he felt even more strongly about it um, wow. where he couldn't even do it so yeah he's uh he's uh, gonna be canonized as a saint uh sometime oh that's fa- i've um, never heard of this guy that's fascinating yeah anyway (laughs) but yeah terrence malick uh he made a beautiful beautiful film called a hidden life starring that and he's known for these really like wide shots and these like scenic um imagery where he kind of just sits with the the people in the movie it's not there's not a lot of action in his movies and it kind of creates this very intense like you are there with the people um so so yeah, it's um, but this was a big film, uh, The Thin Red Line. It had George Clooney, Adrian Brody, John Cusack, Woody Harrelson, Jared Leto, John C. Riley. <laughs> John C. Riley, that's weird. In uh, a serious role, yeah. Um, because it's about is- um, soldiers in the C Company, First Battalion, Twenty Seventh Infantry Regiment, Twenty Fifth Infantry Division, in um, the Battle of Mount Austin which was part of World War II. Wow. Yeah. Pretty much any world. I've never seen a bad World War II movie, um, but this seems like really interesting. I think World War I movies are actually better. It's a controversial I don't think I've seen one, to be honest. I I didn't see that. I didn't, you know. Again, I'm I'm a cultural agnostic. It's terrible. I haven't seen any of this stuff. Um, Anywho, uh, (laughs) we have a song here. Big tangent. Um, so, so the, the language, I, I didn't realize that words were actually being vocalized here um, because I don't speak Solomon Pigeon, I believe is the name of the language here is what I'm seeing, um, which is the native language of the Solomon Islands in the South Pacific. Um, 
but anyway, we have this, 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 um, this song here, which I'm not going to attempt to pronounce because I don't want to butcher it and no. just destroy, just yeah, destroy what I have it. here. But my understanding is the translation is God, take my life and let it be consecrated Lord to thee. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. So this is a hymn. I mean, this is a beautiful, beautiful song. And I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know if this is like fair to say. I feel like the paternal nature of the way God is framed in that song feeds into the potential idea of our male narrator, Ezra, here being the father of the bride. Mm. Okay. Because that. It, it, it feels like it's just a flood inclusion if it's if it's not the case and we leave our male character here as this kind of despondent like well shit what do I do now kind of character but if we have it as this okay you're my daughter I understand what you're doing this it's really sad for me but I, I gotta let you go now like that feels a little better to me you know what I mean mm-hmm yeah yeah it's like i said it's that one line that's holding me back from totally it, but totally um i i think this really speaks to how modern vampires of the city was hugely hugely um reliant on these jewish themes and would um refer to um jewish hymns that were sung um i i think they might have actually sung some lyrics at some point if i remember right um, and then Yahe, which we haven't got into, is essentially the retelling of the story of the burning bush. So Modern Vampires of the City, very, very esteemed in um, Jewish heritage. This album, as we've talked about, tends to come from a Christian lens, which is interesting because Ezra, as a songwriter, he's Jewish. And so why is that? We, we get more of that here with this Christian hymn explicitly sung. Um, I mean, it's in a different language, so it's a little hidden, but still. And again, I, I, I still think it's what we said earlier about um, kind of growing as a songwriter to where you're, you write to, a, to appeal to your, the largest audience possible. And mm-hmm. so, um, by using these Christian allusions and such, um, it's kind of widening the net. But not only that, I think there are other reasons for it. Um, I, it's hard. <laughs> are you willing? I, I think I'm willing to say that Vampire Weekend is my favorite Christian rock band. <laughs> <laughs> frankly no, because i can't i can't part. i can't name any other christian rock bands that i would willingly listen to um <laughs> as a catholic as a practicing catholic i say this um i mean kanye west is my favorite christian rap artist to be fair um <laughs> kanye, no, so, you can label as a christian rap artist I'll give i think you that. There, i think there's a sense in which christianity is a universal language because yeah, it's been so ingrained in western culture up that you can talk about it to people like people know the stories of Christmas, the stories of Easter and like a number of significant stories in the Bible, even if they like have just very little 
like faith practicing just because so many people were raised Christian, even if loosely, you know, and just have some association to it. So in some sense, universal language, you know, it's like, I think, and like, if that's what you're trying to say, then I think. Yeah, I that's, that's exactly you. what I was trying to say. It's the universality of it all. Um, I mean, it's considered one of the three universal religions um, with, I think, Islam and Buddhism. Um, but in the sense that anyone can join um, fairly easily yeah. um, without like a birthright element to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's definitely speaking to this album, trying to have a more universal lens and a voice to it um, to talk to people. Yeah, it's um, I I think it's well done. Yeah, you know, we've talked about it a number of times elsewhere on the album. Uh, so now we get into Danielle's part of the song. I know the reason why you think I ought to stay. Funny how you're telling me on my wedding day, crying in those rumpled sheets like someone's about to die. You just watch your mouth when talking about the father of the bride. Yeah. So if if you wanna read it as the past relationship gone wrong. Um, I I think the guy's just cursing out the father for ruining their relationship, saying something that caused friction or maybe saying they couldn't be together. Um, Because I mean, if when you get upset, you say things you regret. And I think that's the case of that where he's just crying um, about it and mad and he just says something there. Mm. Yeah. And then other than that, I think we are looking at a pretty straightforward narrative, you know, which is again, like atypical from what we're used to talking about, but we're talking about someone crying on the bed. They're, they're coming as they're coming to the bride on her wedding day. You know, it's like, well, that's a funny time to talk about it. I think it's pretty straightforward in that respect. Yeah. Yeah. I always thought about like those movies and songs where um, all this drama happens on the wedding day. And have you ever heard of a wedding where that happens no. in real life? No. I feel like that all has to be aired out way before. <laughs> I mean, like, it does. maybe it does happen where, like, people freak out, you know? Um, but they're freaking out. In the, like, it's the bride freaking out. It's not someone at the wedding, like, going to them and saying, like, you messed up. You should have been with me. Like, I, I feel like know, that's though. the difference. Because if it's someone who's in the wedding like the bride or groom who's doing this it's their decision and you're saying the, the, bri- the event so but you're saying the bride would get cold feet it. potentially before someone else would barge in yeah yeah it's, okay i feel like there's just no social situation where someone can go to a wedding that they are invited to or maybe not even invited to and just barge in and say you shouldn't go through with this Fair. Fair. Okay. But maybe people are just jerks and I don't know that. Maybe we just go to normal weddings. Maybe. That's probably okay. <laughs> um, okay, next part. Why is your heart grown heavy, boy, when things were feeling light? Turning this June morning into some dark judgment night. This ain't the end of nothing much. It's just another round. I can't carry you forever, but I can hold you now. So, that line there, this ain't the end of nothing much. It's just another round. This is the first time I'm really looking at that line and 
like truly trying to analyze it. I don't really know what to make of that. Yeah, it's it's definitely um, an interesting line. Um, I I almost read it as like every end has a beginning type thing of something new. Oh, like uh like you'll get you'll get another shot kind of thing. Or yeah. like it's or just it's the like end of this chapter. The end of us is the start of the next thing. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And I I I, I appreciate that sentiment, especially at the beginning of an album. You know? Mm. So but you, also so so this this is actually Ezra or just Vampire Weekend in general breaking up with the first three albums Vampire Weekend. Maybe, maybe. I now we're on to something. That's, that, that's something right there. It's They actually just went meta with the fourth album. It's not about God. It's not about a relationship. It's about the old Vampire Weekend. <laughs> what um, about Vampire Man? What about Vampire Man? Um, also, that line right there plays in very well to potentially the daughter reassuring the father, like, I'm not gone. Mm. it's just different now yeah that one line man i like how i like how we don't have closure here this is great i'm 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 gonna ignore i'm gonna (laughs) ignore the one line (laughs) (laughs) yeah and so so it finishes with uh all right by ezra um which some people had thought was a statement on how the album will never be perfect and it'll always just be, all right, let's go, move on. But Ezra actually commented on that and said, oh, that's an interesting theory, but probably not. He said he just likes to have studio chatter in his albums. Yeah, because I was there was another song we were talking about how it can't be too perfect. There needs to be like a like a almost some sort of symbol or like a canary in the coal mine, if you will, that there was a work in progress there that like humans did this and there was a process to it. And I believe like, yeah, you're right. It's just studio chatter. So this picked up on the mic. And so if you include that, it's like, Oh, there was, there was a before there was an after there was a production, you know, there's more going on there. Yeah. When I listened to this album first couple of times, I definitely thought of the, Oh, all right. And the, uh, to an extent. Yeah as like kind of bookends to each other. And then the sympathy one is com- something completely different. Yeah, I, I, I guess I never considered they were related, um, but you're right. Cause we talked about the sympathy one and how the whole serious thing is. Cause that's immediately following my mistake, right? Yeah. And it's like, well, I don't need to be this serious. Like that I feel like feels directly related to that song this probably less so in this case. Mm-hmm. It would be cool if that was just something that was said randomly and they just found it and were like, yeah, this kind of fits. It sounds like that's what happened. Mm. At least that's according to what I saw in Genius. Um, they talked about it on TC apparently because Ariel came on and talked about... Because there was the one episode where they like went through the entire album, right? Yeah. I don't know if it's this episode in particular. It probably but was. There was an episode where, episode 92 apparently for the TC heads, that um, Ariel 
talked about how this was there's they just picked it up on the mics and mm. they included it it's pretty cool it is cool that, that makes sense though i mean you can definitely imagine conversations with friends where you're just like yeah i don't know sometimes i take myself too seriously totally serious like i totally. feel like that's a somewhat normal thing to say it won't come up a lot but it's not crazy favorite line Whew. I didn't even think about this. They're all really good lines. Because it's like, again, it's like this narrative thing. Um, I'll go, promises of future glory don't make a case for me. I'm going to go with this ain't the end of nothing much. It's just another round. Yeah, definitely very Western feel. I want to be optimistic. Oh, totally. It's the whole thing. We get an ain't. We get a all I'll keeps like I don't know. I feel like when you, when, 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 anytime you apostrophize something in that manner, that feels mm-hmm. Western to me. It feels slangy. Yeah, definitely. The, the repetitive nature of that. And it also sounds similar to y'all. So I'm going to, before we rank our songs, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to non committally put this in the top 10. I really like this <laughs> song. Maybe just because I, I was listening to a lot of acoustic stuff today and it's autumnal out right now. So, Maybe I was just feeling that way, but I like this. I really, really like this song. This song is one that I think is essential to the album. Absolutely. But I will never listen to it on shuffle. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. I, I don't think it's good on its own, personally. It sounds cool, but I, as a song, I don't want to listen to it on its own. Maybe, I just, it's, maybe it's because whenever I hear this song, I just want to listen to the album full. Yeah, through. I think I actually because I expect Harmony Hall to come on after it. I I strongly disagree though. If it came up on shuffle, I'd keep it going because I think it's pleasant to listen to. It's a standalone story. Um, it's fair. It's fair. Also, I I just I like country music. This is good stuff. Country music is good. I still need to listen to Casey Musgrave's new album. I have never listened to Casey Musgrave. Like I know Gold, Golden, Golden Hour. Hour I know the album. song Golden Hour, but I just the don't album know is stuff. Great. Yes, people keep talking about this. Um, oh, top five. Let's go. This life, Stranger, um, Unbelievers. Let's go. Everlasting Arms this week and Flower Moon. Here you go, Flower Moon, Everlasting Arms. Should I just go reverse five from you? What yeah. did you say third? Uh, unbelievers. Yeah, sure. Unbelievers. And then I went. Um, my one, one two, two is this life, strangers. So you gotta go stranger. Okay, stranger. This, life. this life, probably not, but I'll, I'll include it. For okay. You. Yeah, because it's not committal <laughs> this week. It's we don't have to commit for a while. But those top four, I mean, those really. Yeah, could be those my are bangers. So this is our fiftieth episode, right? Did oh, we shoot. confirm yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Congratulations. And we've skipped a number. <laughs> we did it. We've skipped several weeks. So it's been more Way than over a year. year. Yeah. yeah. I think we, our most, our first episode, I think I still have the notes it's from late it. August. It, uh, Unbelievers, I have 829. Yeah. August 29th. So almost 14 months ago. Crazy stuff. Wow. Two live apps. Two live apps. Crazy. Hat for this week. Notre Dame basketball hat. Huge. Because Notre Dame just got a huge basketball recruit for some reason. Don't know why you would go there, but like I, mean, from, I, I from, love Notre Dame, but he's the from Michiana. Program is in rough shape right now. He's from Michiana and he said he loved the coaching staff. 
uh, because fair. Mike Bray is a five great years guy. Ago, five years ago, I would say it's the school to go to if you're not going to get playing time at Kentucky or Duke. Totally. But now, uh, I mean, I think I think the guys still happy. develop. They still develop if they're not going to be NBA, NBA players. Um, I just Bray's offense doesn't really do it anymore. No. You know, that's that's the thing. It was a cool thing five six years ago. And we got really lucky, but Bray's offense just doesn't do it anymore. And it's not gonna. Die I don't know. Three. Read the song, Kevin. M79, <laughs> baby. Let's go. <laughs> Tune in next week to hear us talk about M79 off of the first album. Take it easy, folks.